1: Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the Oxygen Starved Podcast, where we bring you your ABCs, adventures, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet. I'm Stacy,
2: And I'm Christopher.
1: And with us, as always, is producer Doug. Hi, Doug. Hey, guys.
0: How's it going?
1: Good morning. It's going
0: great. Good morning.
1: It's hot here in the Eastern Sierra.
2: (laughs) Hot! Heat wave!
1: It is a major heat wave, like... in Crowley, where i am it's like 90 degrees
2: that's too much
1: not fun <laughs> but, but you know the the ironic thing is my husband and i were talking this morning and i was saying how i prefer it being 90 degrees in the shade at, over it being super cold and <laughs> The ironic thing is that it's super cold here the majority of the year. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you know what? It's a dry heat. There's a truth to that.
1: There, yes, there is. And it's absolutely true. It's a dry heat. My, my son, when he was little, we took him to Las Vegas, and he heard my parents say that phrase. But it's a dry heat. It doesn't matter that it's 115 degrees. And so anytime it would be hot outside, he would say, yeah, but it's a dry heat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, that's a cliche to people who live on the West Coast, but to people who live on the East Coast, it's a meaningful comment.
1: It, it's true. It does. It really does make a difference.
2: It does. And you can get out. You can get out and find ways to to cool off, right?
1: Exactly. Just like we did last week.
2: Exactly. For yes. adventure.
1: Yeah, so we had an, a great adventure. We went out to June Lake, which is on the June Lake Loop. It's a pretty, fairly big, fairly large lake uh, located just between uh, Mammoth Lakes and Levine. And we went paddle boarding and kayaking.
2: It was awesome. I love getting out on a mountain lake and just being out there on the water and looking at the mountains and, and the other people out there. Cause there, you were paddle boarding. I was mm-hmm. kayaking. Mm-hmm. There were people fishing. There were other people paddle boarding. It was awesome.
1: It was, it was so fun. We even saw a bald eagle. We did. Sitting in the trees and it was just a perfect morning. We got there early. So it was still on the cool side. Um, June Lake's at an elevation of about just over 7,600 feet. So, you know, so it gets fairly cool up there. Yep. And it was just a perfect morning. It wasn't too windy.
2: Yeah, and we also chose to do it on a weekday, which also kind of helped. You know, the beach there at June Lake is a really popular place. It's easily accessible. It's very family-friendly. Um, You know, it's just kind of a really even walk down or even roll down from the parking lot. So a lot of people go there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it it gets super crowded, which was one of the reasons why we went early. (laughs) Because even by 1030, when we were done, the beach was starting to fill up.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: And but it's it's a great it is it's so great when my kids were really little I would take them there all the time in the summer because it's such a kid friendly beach. Yep. And you know it's it's kind of shallow, it's gentle, it doesn't, you know, the the only the only problem is that it does get crowded.
2: Yeah, and you know the crowds kind of change during the day. You know, and many of the lakes around here, like a lot of us who get there early are more kind of local, we're doing something maybe a little bit more energetic or, you know, exercise oriented or fishing. Whereas the people who come in kind of mid morning and then throughout the rest of the day are just kind of there to recreate. Right. Yeah. And relax.
1: Yeah. yeah. Just kind of hang out. And, um, you know, it's not far. The 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 actual June Lake is not far from the town, right. um, you know, where you can go and get ice cream and sandwiches and pizza and and Ohana's who we're going to talk to later. Uh, the of Ohana's a little bit later in this episode. Um, but it's so much fun and you can rent, you can rent boats from the Marina um, down at June Lake. You can rent paddle boards and kayaks. So, you know, if you don't have all of those things uh, to play with yourself, you can get them there. And yeah. um, it's, it's just a really fun, place to go and I've been there a couple of times this summer to go paddling and it was just a beautiful morning and it was so fun to spend time with you Christopher
2: It's always fun to spend time with you Stacy and we don't just say that because we're podcasting right
1: That's right what, what you
2: <laughs> If you want to gossip about someone in the Eastern Sierra you have to go out in the middle of a lake to do it
1: <laughs> That's true
2: <laughs> Not that we gossip
1: Never, never.
2: (laughs) The other thing I would say to our listeners who um, don't do this very often, um, you know, there's people are pretty respectful of each other on our lakes. They're meant to be peaceful places. Um, As a kayaker, we're always mindful of who's fishing on the lake and the boats that are out there and just try to give them space. You know, they've got lines in the water. They're trying to attract fish. Um, and we all want to enjoy it at the same time. So from our perspective, it's kind of, you know, just let everyone be able to recreate responsibly at the same time. So just be respectful of other people who are out on the water.
1: Absolutely. It's my biggest fear in life that I'm going to be out paddleboarding and I'm going to run over somebody's fishing line and they're going to yell at me uh, <laughs> if, would if that happens. So I try really hard to, you know, stay out of, of trouble. Yeah. Out there. yeah, so, um, but yeah, it's a great place to go. We had a great morning. We have to do it again soon. And um, if you head out there, enjoy yourself, be respectful and have take- a great time.
2: Absolutely.
1: All right. Take a deep breath. We'll be right back.
0: Oxygen, a colorless, odorless reactive gas, the chemical element of atomic number eight and the life-supporting component of the air. Starved, suffering a severe and damaging lack of basic material and cultural benefits. Oxygen Starved Podcast, a colorless, odorless, culture-packed, nutritious podcast considering books, describing Mono County adventure, and engaging in informative conversation with colorful Eastside Sierra locals. Download it now.
2: Welcome back, listeners. We're at the books portion of our podcast, the B part. Yay! Yay! We all do a little bit of yay there because we just love talking about books.
1: We do we um, can't read enough.
2: <laughs> we can't read enough. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So let's. We're, this week we agreed, Stace, that we would talk about just what we're reading individual, mm-hmm. right? Like what, mm-hmm. what we're reading on our summer summer read list and what's yeah. on our nightstand. So. Um, I'll go first, if you don't mind.
1: Please do so.
2: (laughs) Thanks. So the book I'm recommending, I just finished it, and I really can't recommend it enough, is called Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. It's a novel. Maggie O'Farrell is a pretty well-known writer. She's a British writer.
1: I was going to say, I've heard her name before.
2: Yeah, yeah. And she's really, uh, she's an inventive novelist. And this is an inventive story based on history. So again, this kind of fits my historical fiction um, uh, genre that I love reading so much. Again, Hamnet, H-A-M-N-E-T. So we've heard of Hamlet by Shakespeare. Oh, yep. right? Everyone's yep. heard it. Um, this novel approaches a deeply personal aspect of Shakespeare's life. His courting and marriage of Anne Hathaway, or Agnes, as she's named in this novel, because that's what her own father called her. So, you, we've already got this little dichotomy going on Hamnet, Hamlet, Anne, Agnes, you know, and how names are used. Um, and it's, so it's about, You know, they're courting in marriage and then also they're growing a family and Shakespeare's motivation to move to London, which in this novel is not initially to become a playwright. Um, I won't give anything away there. There, I don't know everything about Shakespeare, so I don't know whether it's true or not, but it certainly is interesting. So the Shakespeares as a couple had three children and one of them was a son named Hamnet. Um, And what we learn in this novel is that Hamlet and Hamnet were names that were interchangeable during that time. So, um, you know, that's just an interesting little tidbit there. What is unique in this is that the story is not written from Shakespeare's perspective. It's from that of Hamnet and Agnes themselves. In fact, Shakespeare's name is never mentioned. Although he is integral and he's referred to and he's present, and sometimes he's detached because so much of their marriage he was in London and not present, and while she was in Stratford raising the family. So it's kind of just an interesting, you know, little positioning. And Hamnet, so, I'm oh, sorry,
1: ahead. but is she the narrator? Who's the narrator? Yes, yeah.
2: third so, person. Yeah. So the perspective is mostly Agnes. Okay. There's some of the, the other characters, Hamnet and his oldest sister, and, you know, they occasionally get some perspective too in a meaningful way. Um, but you're always kind of coming at it from Agnes's perspective. Okay. Which is good. I mean, that's, you know, everyone's read gazillions about Shakespeare, and they know Anne Hathaway's cottage, but (laughs) they don't really know a whole lot about Anne herself or hear her story all that often. So, um, you know, their kid Hamnet, their son Hamnet, (laughs) was a twin. Uh, He had a sister named judith and in the novel when they were 11 the the plague comes to town this is um you know late 16th century england the plague Mm -hmm. is kind of an ever-present thing theaters frequently get shut down because the plague is there and the government doesn't want group gatherings which sounds familiar
1: yeah
2: Uh, um so i'm not going to give anything away to say that their son Hamnet dies. It's that's a historical fact. What propels the story is the lead up to that and the resulting grief of the parents, Agnes in particular, because so much of the story is written from her perspective. Okay. And her grief is played out on the pages and chapters that, you know, will hold your breath. They are beautifully and captivatingly written if grief can be beautiful and grief is by definition captivating and her husband's grief is literally played out in the play he wrote four difficult years later hamlet so um and i think um historians have often speculated that his son's death really did play into him writing Hamlet Mm -hmm. four years later. So that's examined a little bit in this book. Um, I'm not going to give much more away than that. It's a current book, so I don't want to give away the ending. Um, But I am going to use some sweeping terms here to describe it. This is a novel of loss, of course, but it's also a novel of what binds people together. So blood, you know, duty, family, love, devotion, conflict, compromise, time. Things that make relationships work and relationships not work. Um, The book has received just about every starred review it can, um, which is not unsurprising for Maggie Mm -hmm. O'Farrell. We don't know for sure that the real Hamnet died of the plague. The plague is part of the atmosphere of this book and, of course, a driver of the story. So in a way, as I referred to before, it relates to our current pandemic situation. Right. But the subtitle, you know, a, Hamnet, A Story of the Plague, is a bit misleading. It's a story of the impact of the plague in deeply personal terms. Mm. <coughs> sorry. So, again, the book is um, Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. It's out now. I got it. My copy from the bookie joint. We're going to get copies for the library or your local bookseller. Totally recommend it. It's also kind of brief. I think I read it in like two or three afternoons. It's not a long book.
1: Wow. Okay.
2: The other book, really quickly, that I just wanted to mention, because it hit some news this week, I'm currently finishing up another first novel um, called How Much of These Hills is Gold by C. Pam Zhang, um, Chinese-American author. Uh, I rec- recommended this book back at the Eastern Sierra Book Festival, um, one of my favorite Alternative rock bands, Florence and the Machine, has a book club. They chose this for their book club this month, which was really cool. And then just this week, it got long listed for the prestigious Booker Prize, a um, uh, British prize for original writing in English. Um, really quickly, the story is about a narrative of two young Chinese American kids who are become orphaned in the waning days of the gold mining boom in the American West. And the the story itself was kind of a quest. Um, I won't give away much more than that because I'm still finishing the book. The But I will say this, the epigraph of the book, which is often a little line at the beginning of a novel, you know? Wow. Yep. Um, the epigraph of this is called, is this land is not your land.
1: Wow. And,
2: and if you think about, again, you know, kind of wow. current events, but also, you know, the Chinese and Chinese-American narrative of the Old West is one that's often stereotyped. Yeah. Um, we know it's there. It's often referred to. They helped build railroads. There were Chinatowns and in, in mining towns and, and Chinese miners and what have you. But there's not a whole lot of narrative there that's been created. So si Pam Zhang's How Much of These Hills is Gold um, attempts to add some narrative to that history through fiction. Um, I'm enjoying the book, so I, I recommend that one as well.
1: It sounds really interesting. Is it? um, Are are they? Is their quest looking for their parents? Can you say or? Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, in a sense. So their mother dies a few years before the story kind of picks up, and then their father dies. And you know, one of them is eleven years old, and the other one is about a year younger. And they each had different relationships with their parents. And and society, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the quest initially is to bury their father in a way that respects their Chinese heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't give away more than that. But in a way, they are kind of questing to understand their parents and their own place in this vast American West.
1: Very, it sounds really interesting. I might have to pick that up.
2: Yep, absolutely. So so those are my current reading pile books. What are you reading, Stace?
1: Well, I just finished, um, the, it's, I think it's almost like the book of the summer. It's called The Guest List, uh, by Lucy Foley. Right. And, um, it's one of, uh, it's on a bunch of bestseller lists. It was one of Reese Witherspoon's, uh, book club picks. And by the way, can I just just touched on something you said, Christopher. Yeah, Florence and the Machine has a book club. I'm so <laughs> I had no idea. I love them.
2: Okay. They Sorry. are a cultural rock band. Let me just say that
1: they must be. I'm. I'm. T- I have a new respect. <laughs> Mad props to them. Okay. Anyway, so going going back to the guest list. Um, by Lucy Foley. So this is a this is a mystery. It harkens back to, you know, Agatha Christie novels, um, which I love. Right. And, and so it was it was super fun to read um a book like that. So it's set um this British couple who is engaged, and they're a they're a fairly high profile couple they decide to have their wedding on this remote island off the coast of of Ireland and they all of their guests have to take a boat over very rough waters to get to this island it's there's nothing on it there's no cell service and of course wouldn't you know it a storm comes up in <laughs> the opulent wedding and then somebody dies and oh my god who did it so
2: um <laughs> that was, is that is so agatha christie
1: yes isn't it thank you um and and it, you know and you it just carries you along and you know, the characters are really well drawn and it's just a really fun escapist read from everything that's going on right now.
2: I was going to ask, you know, I think right now many of us would love to be on a storm ravaged remote <laughs> island yeah. off the coast of Ireland. Did you really feel like you were seeping into the story and forgetting what was around you?
1: Yeah, oh totally. It was it was it was so great to, you know, open the book at the end of the day and, you know, go to this place that where I knew nobody and, you know, <laughs> it, it was just so different than anything around me or anything that I had ever kind of experienced. And, um, you know, it was, it was just, a, it was really fun. And, and then of course, because this is, this is kind of a dumb comment, but I admit it listeners this is going to be a dumb comment but i couldn't help but thinking you know this is a reese witherspoon book pick not why i chose to read it but right. it is so i c- couldn't help kind of thinking in the back of my head well who's she going to play when she, she makes the movie because inevitably there's going to be a movie <laughs> um, that she's going to be in so i i listeners if you read this book and you have an opinion on who Reese Witherspoon would play. Hit us up. Let us know. Um, love you, to talk to you about that.
2: Um, did you did you cast the rest of the book while you were reading it, not just Reese Witherspoon's character?
1: You, well, you, Christopher, you know my um, – I don't know anything about, like, other actors or oh, – yeah. I don't know anybody's name. I don't know who they are. So other than like Ruth Witherspoon and, you know.
2: <laughs> Bruce Willis.
1: You no, know, I know who she is, but. <laughs> I, really, I don't really know anybody else, so I can't really do that. But it was, it was a really enjoyable book. And um, you so know,
2: she, do you think, sorry, do you think she did Agatha Christie Proud?
1: I think she has, I'm sorry, Lucy Foley. I think she has a little ways to go. Yeah. You know, she wasn't, she didn't quite have the, the prowess that, you know, Agatha Christie had. It was, it was, it was good. It was, I still really enjoyed it. And I, I liked the way it wrapped up and, um, you know, I, I thought Agatha Christie would not be mad at this book.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I asked that question because, you know, again, so many of us have read And Then There Was None, which is yes. you know her classic remote island yeah. um, murder mystery. And, you know, I think what happens is we love reading that so much and there's something comforting in that formula, we want to go back to the next remote island murder mystery. And so everyone who writes that afterwards kind of gets compared to the gold standard, right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I, in reading, preparing for this, reading people's reviews, you know, of course everybody did that. Every reviewer compared it to Agatha Christie, but, and you can't help it, you know, you can't help but think about that as you're reading but um, I think it held its own.
2: Yeah. And you know what strikes me when I read these stories is if they're set in contemporary times to us, mm-hmm. it's it's harder to achieve that isolation because you have to come up with an excuse to cut off cell service. You know,
1: right.
2: people can't be texting, you know, there can't be email, you know, all that kind of stuff that we take for granted. It's so hard to be isolated now. It's, you know
1: that's a real, that is a really, really good point. And yeah, I mean, if if Agatha Christie were a, alive today, she might have a hard time with those kinds of plot points. Yeah, <laughs> coming up with those, so I think in this case, it was very reasonable to expect that they, you know, the the rationale for the the cell service being cut off r- made complete sense and didn't seem contrived or right. You know. So I, I thought she did a, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. I read it fairly quickly. Um, I also have another another book that I'm kind of working my way through a little bit more slowly. And that is um, called Imperfect Union. And that's a story of John and Jesse Fremont. Um, and their contributions to the development of the United States and that's written by Steve Inskeep of NPR fame. Right. Um, And, and that's very good too. It's just, it's, it's very dense and there's a lot of facts and it just takes a little bit longer to get through. You know, it's just, it's just a nonfiction book, but it's so interesting. And, um, the things that I'm learning, uh, reading it are really terrific. And, you know for those of you that aren't familiar John Fremont uh there there are a million things across this country that are named for him right uh, there are cities and bridges and um monuments and all you know all these things but he he was a definite um founder of you know how how we got from middle america from you know Missouri to the west coast and the right. The annexing of California and Oregon and um, all that development is attributed. It could be attributed to him, really. So um, it's pretty fascinating.
2: And he was one of those, the first, you know, not the first, but one of the first um, white men from the East to come and really explore our Eastern Sierra yes um so he's he he has an impact in where we live too exactly. i can't I can't wait to read this book. You described it to me earlier and and I've definitely added it to my list
1: yeah it's really it is really good right. um it you just you have to bring you know un, unlike some of the the books you know on the bestseller list these days with fiction books, you know the guest list, and whatnot, where you can just enjoy it on the surface, the imperfect union, you really have to bring yourself to it. You have to invest yourself in it to really be thinking as you're reading. And, and it's also fascinating to read about Jesse Fremont, his wife. Right. And she was kind of the, they, they were one of the first couples in history to have a truly, what seems like, For the point I'm at in the book, an equal marriage, you know, they were partners, true partners. And she was tremendous in helping him become John Fremont. Right. So it's, it's, you're going to like it. It's good.
2: Well, I can't wait to read it. That one, so your books, real quickly, that one is Imperfect Union by Steve Inskeep and
1: And um, The the Guest List. list By Lucy Foley. By Lucy
2: Foley. And then my books were Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell and How Much of These Hills is Gold by C. Pam Zhang. So listeners, you've got A handful of picks there to choose from. If they pique your interest, stop by your local library or um, your local bookstore and grab them. We'd love to know what you think about these books. Check them out. Exactly. In the meantime, uh, sit down, take a breath, grab a glass of water, and we'll be right back to talk Ohana's.
1: Yay.
0: Ample oxygen is a basic requirement for human molecular metabolism.
1: Welcome back, listeners. We're here at the C part, the conversation part of our podcast, and we're so thrilled today to have Rena McCullough, the fabulous, amazing owner of Ohana's uh, famous food truck here in June Lake, and we're sitting out here at Ohana's right now on this beautiful day. Welcome, Rena. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking time on your day off on your son's birthday. <laughs> it's oh okay, my gosh! It's so yeah, good. thank it you. It is
2: nice to be sitting outside. We've been doing this like from our home closets for yes the last few months. <laughs> like a lot of people, we
1: are socially distanced as right. we're sitting outside <laughs> doing this interview. Just so everybody's okay about that. So, Rena, you and I have known each other for a long time—a yes. very long time. Yes. And but tell our listeners, your
3: how did you get here? How did you come to I be moved in Mono County? To the Eastern Sierra from Hawaii. Oh. Both of my daughters were born there, um, and I moved here, and I immediately worked in the food industry. I think I worked in all the restaurants in June Lake and a few in <laughs> Um And then I fell into coaching and working at the school, and that was when I really opened up my passion for kids. And this community. And I've thought often, I've been asked many times, why a food truck? Why Hawaiian? Right. Yeah. Hawaii is the most beautiful land with the most beautiful people. And living there, even if you visit there, you're going to be touched by that. It's not going to leave you. Right. Right. And then working with these kids, there was a deficit. There was never enough budget for anything. We had to fundraise. And a lot of the fundraisers, I would introduce Hawaiian food, and it sold like crazy. Sure. Hawaiian food is my husband and children's favorite. So on these road trips, the other deficit was there was never enough money either coming from their homes mm-hmm. or our budget to afford hotel rooms and food. And I wanted them to perform in a way they felt good. Sure. So no McDonald's right. on my shift. And so I just started packing food and packing Coleman stoves and packing crockpots. Oh, and my gosh. And grills. And we would cook food on the trips. And the Hawaiian food was by far the most popular. All the kids (laughs) Mm -hmm. asked you make it again. Can you make it again? So after my coaching career kind of ended about 20 years into it, my kids were all off in college. I thought, well, you know, I've tried all these restaurants and I don't really know what I want to do next. And my husband said, well, if not now, when? Right. Right. The kids are in school. Let's do it. And our first discussion was brick and mortar, and you don't have to look very far to realize you can't afford that in Mono County right. unless you have investors or family money. Sure. Right. So, without a dime in my savings, literally we had less than $100 in our checking account, and my husband started searching for food trucks online. And um, it makes me emotional still because it's such an amazing thing that happened. We went to the 76 station uh-huh. Uh-huh. in Lee Binding, I'd coach his grandchildren. Um, my husband had worked for him. He is one of the most solid human beings I've ever met in my life. And on a wing and a prayer, I wrote a business plan and I said, would you be willing to loan us money? And he just looked at me and he said, I don't need to see all that. I believe in you do it. There you Um, go. And my husband found one in Santa Barbara and they wanted X amount for it. And I thought that's too much. So we took 10,000 off of their offering or asking. We went to grandpa. He got us a cashier's check. And we drove from Levining to Santa Barbara. Wow. And met these guys in a parking lot at the beach in Santa Barbara. And I saw that orange truck and I was like, well, I got to have it. <laughs> I was already like, "Ah, I got to have that. That's so pretty. And we had this beautiful discussion. They grew up fishing in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, they had started a dream. It was only two months old and one of the brothers had health problems and he was no Aww. longer going to be able to do it. Aww. And they'd been trying to sell it for a couple months and they just couldn't because he wouldn't be able to let go. Yeah. Somebody yeah. would come and want to add it to their freight or be a part of their restaurant. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when he realized that we wanted to do it here. Yeah. We wanted to do Hawaiian food, something original, something different, try to make it a little healthier. They said yes, that they would sell it. And then I said, well, I actually only brought this amount. And they said, okay, that sounds great. Wow. Brilliant. We hugged, we cried. <laughs> and we literally drove off in the sunset with <laughs> this food truck. And... We had borrowed a car because we didn't have anything that could haul it. Yeah. And we got back to Levining and the same amazing human that loaned me the money for the truck sold us his Dodge because that's the one we borrowed at a reasonable, reasonable price. And I went into debt over my head beyond anything I'd ever understood in the first year. Sure. Yeah. We clunked along. We struggled. Um, I had beautiful people around me that loved me, supporting me. We all had this vision that we could do this. That we could love people. We could make every plate a hug.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
3: And bring my bro. I grew up in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And my mom had a salsa business. So I knew there was going to be some Mexican element to the food. Right. Mm -hmm. And I wanted it to be Hawaiian at base because those meats and the rice and that mixture I know is similar enough to what California cuisine can be that you wouldn't be scared. Sure. Right. And as we got more confident, we added the ahi pokey, which I couldn't take away now. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, my be a riot. it's my <laughs> favorite. It's my favorite thing. You can't. And as we got our wheels going, winter came and we might even shut down in the winter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Justin and Sarah came to see me and they said, what do you think about parking that truck in June Lake for the winter? I thought, I mean, yeah. I and like beer. Justin and Sarah are? The owners of the brewery. Sorry. Yeah. The owners June of the brewery. Lake Brewery. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, I like beer. <laughs> I love June Lake. And at the time, we were living in Levining, so we moved the truck here, and things just took off. took off. I think it's the partnership between amazing craft beer and fun and different food, that street food, Yeah, is something that people see on the food channel. They see yeah. when they yeah. go to the cities. It's a very um, touristy thing to do, but it's also kind of a fun, like, quick date or... After a day at the beach, Mm because that's that's some of our biggest tickets. If somebody will come in from June Lake Beach and order twelve things, (laughs) and then take back out to the beach, yes, we're very sad that you're not open right now. (laughs) uh, We're not eating while we're doing this, but so that's and it just took off, and we are super blessed. It's a family business. Yeah, great. I've got um, my daughter, my cousin, my nephew, son. I raised him. Um, My husband helps. uh, My best friend. And that's it. That's awesome. That's all we've got. And we did lose some people mm-hmm. um, when the pandemic hit and everything closed down. When we opened back up, not everybody felt anxious about getting back into customer service, sure, or yeah, or exposing themselves because they have elderly parents or they have kids or they have health issues. And I stayed very open minded because I love my people first. Yeah, right. And when I couldn't get everybody back, I tried to hire a few people and just wasn't happening. Nobody right. wanted to work and. Who's to say why? I don't judge. I just figured, well, let me do the best I can. So we shrunk our hours. We shrunk Mm -hmm. our days. And um, we're surviving. It's not ideal. Right. Um, But you have to just keep moving forward and adapt. It's not going to be the best restaurants, the smartest restaurants, the hardest working people that make it through this pandemic. It's going to be people who adapt. Right. People who are willing to say, I'm going to do my best. This is what I can do. And also what do you need as customers or clients mm-hmm. and how can we meet each other's needs and survive this with love, some yeah. laughter, some goodness, because not everybody's going to make it. And I'm humble and I realize that. And so we just live up every day feeling blessed and grateful and work hard. And, you know, the food production has been a little interesting. You know, we can't always get everything. Yeah. yeah. are Skyrocketing. Um, we do, we've always been really clean and careful, but now we're just spending more time being careful, yeah. more time right. cleaning, um, changed our situation, and just want to ride this out and Keep loving people. <laughs>
1: During the winter, how does the you know when when the snow is flying? And the sun
2: now the laughter begins. So we call
3: yeah. that extreme food trucking. Okay. <laughs> because this
2: should be a TV show.
3: Our commissary, every food truck is tied to a commissary, which is a okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So even though I do a hundred percent of my prep in here because we built this big brand new beautiful truck exactly how we want it. And it's
2: still orange,
3: right? Oh yeah, I can't let go. <laughs> <laughs> um we have all of our food is stored in freezers and refrigerators okay. at the June Lake General store. Okay. So every morning, truck everything in, prep yeah. Yeah. it, get the soup started, you know, we're starting to cut up ahi, get it marinating, cut up all the vegetables, get the rice cooking. We're getting everything going, and as we walk back and forth, we call this our ant trail, because it's constant, and <laughs> now blizzard's hitting, and you're walking yes. back and forth, it's icy, cold, <laughs> it's awful, and... Inside the box, we're fine. Yeah, yeah. we're heated by the flat top and the fryer and all the things. But this year will be interesting. I have no idea how it's going to play out. In years past, we deliver food into the brewery. Right. So then we're walking across the ice through the blizzard to deliver the love inside the brewery. This year, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen next week. Yeah. Right. But we 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 operate year round because there's a few reasons. First of all. If you want quality employees, you have to employ them year-round and pay them a decent wage. right? They need security. Their car payments don't stop. Their rent doesn't stop. Their kids don't stop. And so if you're just a summer business, which, I mean, mean, if you look at it logistically, the summertime is the only time you really do make money. Right. So I understand why some businesses are just open in the summer. See you later. Shut down. But that doesn't help the employees. It doesn't help our community. Yeah. Nobody wants to come into a town with, you know, one restaurant and one bar. Right. Yeah. In the winter. You yeah. want to have choices. Yeah. is true. And people, instead of just staying one night in bailing, they might stay two or three nights because it's like, oh, I got to go to the lift, and right. I got to check out Hermitage and Kudos right. and I'm going to have my Tiger Bar drink and I'm going to get some pizza and I'm going to eat at the brewery. I'm going to go to the food truck. Now there's all these choices. Yeah. Right? So you, you need to think about the health of your community and you need to think about what best serves your employees and what best serves them best serves you.
1: Well, and I think you're doing that has helped bring all those other choices
3: here. I mean, you. hope so. this has been a big... The brewery was absolutely the turning point in June Lake and I am very honored and blessed to be partnering with them in the sense that we both care about our employees. Mm-hmm. We both care about our community. We both want to make sure that there's... Something in town year round. Yeah. They are better than me. They don't really ever close. I do take a break in November and April because mm-hmm. we are a family business. Yes. Yeah. I want time with my family and my mom yeah. down yeah. south. And my, you know, it's like my son just had a kid. So Asher is a month yesterday. Oh, and wow. then my oldest daughter, Mariah, who lives in Reno, is pregnant. So it's like. You've got to have there time. Are more, and that's if this pandemic didn't teach you to stop. And think about what's most important. You definitely have not been checked in. It's not about politics. It's not about who's wearing a mask. Like all those things matter to some extent. But the most important thing is that we were told to slow down, check home base, and do what you know is important for your family and just love people. And so people are bummed. I get a dozen or so emails a week (laughs) and at least that many phone calls, probably more. Why aren't you open longer? I yeah. want to have Pokey at 6 p.m. I want to have Pokey on Monday. And I say I love you and I appreciate you. I love your support. But I'm doing the best I can with what I have. And now that I've been gifted back a life, I'm hiking again this summer. Yeah. I'm seeing my kids, my husband. I, It's it's humane to have yeah. a break. It, I, if I was here to make everybody happy, I would never go to sleep. I would just work. Yeah. And so there has to be a balance of doing the best I can for everybody and doing the best I can for myself.
2: I think that that's kind of a, you know, one of the things we were chatting just before the interview, when the pandemic kind of started to shut everything down, like June Lake was one of those communities where, you know, the businesses really kind of work to support each other. Absolutely. I saw this across the County, yeah, but especially absolutely. in June Lake,
3: everybody in June Lake will tell you every business owner in order for us to be successful. June Lake has to be successful. Right. Oh, you ran out of lids. Let me run some up to you. Oh. Yeah. You need some soy sauce? I got some soy sauce. Yeah. Oh, you have a question about this new technology? Oh, you want to know what POS I use? This is what I use. Right. Whatever you need. Right. We don't steal employees from each other. Right. Yeah. We don't. You know, people come here and they, they're in line. They're like, oh, I got all these kids. We really wanted cheeseburgers. You don't have cheeseburgers? I'm so sorry. Tiger Bar. It's a short walk up yeah. the hill. Yeah. Go get some cheeseburgers. Yeah. We'll be prepping and somebody comes up like, do you have coffee? I don't. But the lift does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh. They'll have Pokey and they'll come back. That was great. Where can I have dinner? We just let them know. You can go to Double Eagle. Mm-hmm. You can go grab a pizza, go down to the beach. There's no room for a competition in a small town. I got mm-hmm. told twice in the first six months of being open by two different people, you know, Rena, there's only so many pieces of the pie and we're not sharing our pie. You don't you don't need to open. Wow. Oh, wow. And it was by owners of establishments, mm-hmm. one in Vining, one in June Lake. And that's when I was even more resolute. It's like, yeah. you're not going to stop me from living my dream, nor are you going to hold this town back. Right. There's right. no such thing as a monopoly. Right. We need to collectively make our community the best we can. Mm-hmm. And the brewery has just been fantastic. And I love partnering with them because we both, it's like anything the community needs. Yeah. We'll yeah. donate. We're there. You we need a pop-up. you need a water station. you need some trash cleaned up. Like, you mm-hmm. need food. What do you need? We help the yeah. school. We help mm-hmm anybody who needs it and it just feels like what a small town should be doing. Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely.
3: Well, we love your
1: food here. <laughs> <laughs> we're, and we're both kind of foodies.
2: Not quite, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel
3: like most people. Are. We, I like food
2: trucks because you can kind of experiment. Like it's less threatening to approach and experiment yeah. something new on the menu mm-hmm. at a, from a, for me than sitting down in a restaurant.
3: I love food trucks cuz they're chef driven.
2: Yeah. Yes. Maybe People that's it. People can come to
3: the window and say, oh, but I'm gluten-free. And uh, I'll come right there. Okay, this is what I have. And because we make everything in-house, I could tell you exactly what's in everything. Right.
0: Right. You right, know, right. oh, you
3: can't have dairy? I got you. Right. You can't yeah. have nuts? I got you. Right. Oh, you can't do sodium? I got you. Like, wh- what do you need? Yeah. And I, I think that's
1: what's so great about your food is that it's it's really fresh. Like mm-hmm. you said, you can taste the, the love and the care that goes into it. So I want to know what's your favorite thing that you have on your menu.
2: Oops. Um, favorite child. I
3: really, it's it's a not a very sexy or exciting thing, but I really like our veggie crumble. We make it in-house, and we, in the food processor, put all the, the lentils and the chickpeas and the spices and the cauliflower, and we season it like, you know, like a typical kind of... Ground beef you would have had as a kid in mm-hmm. a taco, sure. you right? Know? And it kind of it helps transcend that taco or burrito from just like a veggie taco mm-hmm. to this like full of protein and fiber, delicious, just like filling, fun texture burrito or taco. Yeah, so um, I, it's not as sexy as everything. People love the pokeballs. Yeah, that is our top seller. Um, and people enjoy. Mammoth really enjoys the wacky specials.
1: <laughs> you know okay. when I do
3: like the spam sushi top with uh-huh. cookie, or you know we'll make a burger that's like ten inches high, or <laughs> I you know I I just I I love to make like the um all the sushi bombs lately mm-hmm. with shrimp and ahi and mahi and crab, all those things. People love that because it's again it's street food, right? Yeah. It's something if I go to San Diego and I go to the beach and there's a food truck and a brewery, that's something that I'm gonna see, yeah. Right. And I want to feel a little bit transported, yeah, right? yeah. Like food's supposed to be fun, yes. And you know, it, it is. It's it's love. Food is love. It, well and it you feel it
1: here and it is and this is a really fun place to come and yeah. You know, on a on a Sunday afternoon, my family, we love to come up yeah. here yep. hike around or go to the beach or wherever we're whatever we're doing, then come here. It's casual.
3: And, it's relaxing. They create a yeah. fun environment at the brewery. We're in there joking around, laughing, it's my <laughs> kids. You know it's yeah. my kids. And they give the old lady a lot of grief, but I give her right back. <laughs> yeah. And I, am interested to see how things play out. i felt for the last couple of years before this happened, the COVID happened, that there's a transition mm-hmm. in the food industry. I feel like not everybody wants to sit down in a confined space and be waited on, yeah. right. be served yeah, and be tied into an idea of what your kids have to behave this way. And I have to do this and we have to wear that. And we... You know, here in an outdoor beer garden or a setting that's very casual, yep. there is yeah. nothing traditional about this. Yeah. Right. But that maybe your kids can run a little bit and be, yeah. Yeah. and you're not so anxious and uptight that you're not enjoying right. your beer. Yeah. And that you can come to the food truck and there's so many wacky things on the menu and we always have stuff for kids. Yeah. You can get a few different things and try it. You don't have to overspend. You can yeah. have a snack, you can have a meal, you can share something. Yeah. And it's so non committal. You have it and you go, you take it to go. You know, it's just—it's more relaxed. You can come from a long day of paddling or hiking and be dirty mm-hmm. and sweaty, and you just want that ice cold beer and that poke bowl like nobody's business. And boom, it's right here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we've got a little bit of a garden. It's beautiful. Mountains, trees, and
2: it's, it's gorgeous. just relaxing yeah. and
3: inviting. And I—I don't know if traditional restaurants are going to sustain all the changes that are happening now. Right. Mm. But I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to think about adapting. Yeah. You know, yeah. we live in a beautiful place. Outdoor dining in the summer is amazing. So and yeah. like I said, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But the, I do trust Justin. Justin and Sarah are so creative. They mm-hmm. problem solve all the time. Every time yeah. there's been any kind of issue that something's broken, something's not working, somebody's complaining about this, they are above and beyond taking care of it. That's perfect. So I feel like, you know, the, so, the luckiest person I know. <laughs>
2: You are. We're <laughs> a little bit envious. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do when you're not operating the food truck? Because you do live in the most beautiful I part of the state. I live in
3: the most beautiful place in the world. And the last five years while we were just grinding and building this business, I didn't do much. Really? Yeah. I went to Reno to get more supplies. I went to Bishop to get more supplies. Mm-hmm. I came oh. in on my days off and I made salsa. I couldn't keep up with anything. We had years where we'd run out of food and I just—I was chasing my tail. Yeah. And last summer I had four days off. Oh my wow. goodness. Fourth of July to labor. And that's a lot, you know, I'm yeah. not a spring chicken. That, that got me. And so sadly we're not open every day. I know that makes people sad, but now that we're on open every day, I'm back out doing what I did for the first 20 yeah. years that I lived here, hiking, mm-hmm. taking my kids to the lake. I'm a super nerd. I'll walk anywhere and just try to identify flowers, butterflies, dragonflies birds (laughs) we have the most amazing community out here that we can talk to and a whole other amazing community around us that we can't talk to but we can get to know yeah Yeah. and you get to know your surroundings and you just feel that much more grateful and in awe right and when you live in a seasonal place you better take advantage Mm -hmm. of those seasons right it doesn't last forever yeah and so yeah i'm just out searching for the next butterfly that's awesome. I'm glad you're taking time for yourself. We all we all need to do
1: that. And Absolutely. I think you made a great point earlier that the pandemic really was mm-hmm. a wake-up call for many of us who work so much. Yeah. All the time. And, you know, to kind of stop and slow down and be with your family mm-hmm. and, and all of that. So I'm really happy to see your you're getting to do that so
3: happy that's (laughs) great
1: so one thing we ask all of our guests and we do appreciate taking time on your day off today um what it what they're reading now or
3: what your favorite book is so tell us a little bit about my my most warm book is butterflies through binoculars right (laughs) for the for the northwest right um and west and uh my siblings bird, bird books. book is just trashed. It's, it's barely <laughs> holding together. I'm just not ready to buy another one. Um, and I I revisit um, Khalil Gibran's The Prophet. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, I read that at least one part of it every week mm-hmm. yeah. because I, I think that being here awakens your spirituality and you have to yeah. stay in touch with that. Right. And then my most... The book that inspired me the most since I moved here... Is Edward Abbey Desert Solitaire. Nice. For sure. What about that book? I think that he realized humans' place in the responsibility to take Mm -hmm. care of nature. Mm -hmm. And in 1956, he was saying there should be parking lots outside of Yosemite Mm -hmm. and no more traffic. Right. He was concerned that we would be greedy and destroy the land. And he also... Prodigy old man found his best self in nature away from everybody else, yeah. reminded himself that we are connected to the earth. And he's not the the softest, most hippy dippy writer out there. <laughs> no, he's not. But his bluntness we need right now. Yeah. We should have been listening to him since nineteen fifty six. Right. Yeah.
2: You know that's something I was thinking about just these last two weekends driving around the county and we were chatting about this before recording too is there's a lot of people who aren't getting on planes or going elsewhere now they're getting they're in their car and coming here. Here, they are here which is fine um but we're seeing a lot of people who aren't respecting nature because of it a lot of over parking the trash is everywhere and it would make so much can't of a be difference on the
3: side of the road leaving yes. the trash. it's not okay it's not okay they're The earth can only handle so much of a footprint. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you don't live here and sit in awe of this every day, maybe you don't understand. Right. Maybe the American way has become the entitled way. And maybe we need to stop and slow down and think about it. And so if they put measures on us that limit the amount of people that we can have here, I'm okay with it. It'll affect my business, but I'll survive. I'm more worried about my birds, my butterflies, my dragonflies, and my children, and my grandchildren. And... We need to protect the land. Yeah. Yeah. And not just say, "Oh, we need to we need to become stewards."
1: Yeah.
3: Yep. Absolutely. Everyone does. Everybody. Everybody does. Yeah. Because we all want this forever, but it's at the level that we are being bombarded right now. It's not sustainable. No. It's just not. Yep. And it's a double edged sword. Every business in town is saying, "Well, we need the business, and we're busy, but we." we have to love the land.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there are ways to go about it. Mm-hmm.
3: All, all, and like you said, all of us. Not, yeah. you know,
1: everybody who comes up to visit has to have that ethos of being respectful. Everybody who lives here has mm-hmm. to have that same. Yep. Ethos of being respectful too and we need to keep promoting that. Yep. So, yeah.
2: Well, on that note, rena thank you so much Thanks for taking time thank today you. it was great chatting with you great to see, you.
1: To see you. <laughs> thank
2: you and thank you listeners for listening to another episode of oxygen starved podcast remember follow us on our instagram account o2 starved um or you can email us uh you can find all our contact information on our website oxygen starved podcast.com and if you forget any of that just google oxygen starved all the podcast platforms will come up and you'll see us listed um and you'll Get your adventure books and conversations, and a great conversation this time with Rena from Ohana's and June Lake. Have fun, everyone!
1: Take care and stay safe.
0: Thanks for listening to Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod in compaq.com. Creative Commons by attribution, 3.0 license.